the Katie Halper Show. You can listen to us on WBAI every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. That's WBAI.org or 99.5 FM. Also, make sure you check out our monthly show, The Katie Halper Show Live, which we do every first Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. This month, we're doing it on April 6th at 8 p.m., and our guests are Leslie Lee, who is a black writer and teacher who created the hashtag Bernie Made Me White, Erica Andiola, Bernie Sanders National Latina Press Secretary, and Jacob Bridge, a veteran conscientious objector and LGBT organizer. So come down to the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue for a live free talk show with drink specials and snacks. And make sure you follow us and subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes and rate us and review us. Thanks so much. So excited. We have joining us during the second half of the show, Bob Shear, the editor-in-chief of Truth Dig. And not that big of a deal, but he's interviewed Bill Clinton, Richard Nixon, and he's the man who interviewed Jimmy Carter and got him to admit that there was lust in his heart. Do you remember that? I actually do remember that. No big deal. No big deal. It was Still. a Playboy interview. Still and he no got him to deal. say that. Does right. that mean that Bob Shear actually redeemed Jimmy Carter, like got him into heaven or something? I don't know how that worked. Did he deliver him unto someone? Like, I don't I, know. I, it depends on how you think of Jimmy Carter. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things. He's a good Christian. I think he's better than most. Yeah, I do too. I mean, like, I mean, he made some mistakes, but I think that all in all, I mean, as a president, I think he did a lot more good than a lot of other presidents has in the past 30 years. I would have to agree. Yeah. So, all right, Jimmy Carter, you're welcome. We just gave you a a badge of Christianity straight from the Katie Halper show, not just from the secular Jewess, but also from Reggie Johnson, (laughs) who's a real, was born a Christian at least. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, not really practice, but well, uh, I, I, I mean, get what yeah, because you're, you're on the Katie uh, Halper yeah, show, yeah, so well, obviously, yeah, yeah. we're going to start off the show by telling you a little bit about some breaking news. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but you guys know who Bernie Sanders is. I might have heard of him. By the way, we had his national Latina press secretary on last week, Erica Andiola. That's right. And next Wednesday, April sixth, we have our radio show, like we always do, the Katie Halper show, six p.m. to seven p.m. But we also have our next live show. Remember last month we had a live show. It was a feminist debate on Bernie versus Hillary. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And this week, April 6th, we're going to have some special guests. Erica Andiola is going to be here in the flesh. We're going to talk to her about her life, about being undocumented, about her mother almost being deported, about what made her join the campaign in much more detail than we did last time. And we're going to have Leslie Lee third talk about this really funny hashtag on Twitter called Bernie Made Me White. Do you know about yeah, that? Yeah, what is that? All right, I'll tell you what happened. Ready? So here's the thing. You guys know that uh, over the weekend, Bernie Sanders won some primaries in Washington State and uh-huh. uh, Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah. Okay, you know that, right? Yeah. So what happened was CNN, a most trusted source in news, they very wonderfully framed his victories as an issue of just winning in white states, as he does, right? Because that's kind of his thing. Like, yeah. you know, Bernie Sanders wins in white states. Well, he's always he's always been a white supremacist. He's always been a white supremacist like his wife. To the fullest right. extent, right. He, and he has always been white, in all fairness. He has always been white. That's no, been consistent. Yeah, that's that's yeah. never changed. That, that, that is true. That has never changed. That is true. You know, Hillary Clinton evolves on lots of things. You know what Bernie Sanders has not evolved on? What's that? Race, as in he's not changed his. Oh, well, right? true, true. So get with true, it. Get true, woke, Bernie. True. Get woke and transition. Okay, but here's the deal. Ready? So there's a man named Leslie Lee III. He's a writer and English teacher from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He lives in Yokohama, Japan. 
He got a little bit annoyed on Saturday when CNN attributed Sanders' landslide victories in Alaska, Hawaii, and Washington to basically the whitey McWhiteyness of these states, right? So this is what <laughs> CNN said. Quote, these caucus states, largely white and rural, are the types of places Sanders traditionally does well. In order to win the nomination, he must replicate the success in other more ethnically diverse states that hold primaries, as he did in Michigan last month. In theory, it's possible, but the reality is tough, end quote. That is true. It's really tough because you know why it's really tough? Why? Because actually none of that is true about the whiteness of those states. <laughs> you want to know the truth about those states? Washington state is literally, I'm not making this up, the seventh most diverse state in the nation. I knew that. Okay. Two, if not three of the five most diverse counties in the country are found in Alaska. And CNN itself described Alaska as the most diverse place in America a couple months ago. And Hawaii stands out more than any other state, according to the Pew Research Center, when it comes to its racial and ethnic diversity. The rainbow state has never had a white majority. In fact, non-Hispanic whites, the largest group in most states, account for only 23 percent of the population, according to 2013 census figures. So this inspired Mr. Lee, Leslie Lee, to start a very funny hashtag. And he tweeted, ever since I voted for Bernie, I've been binge watching friends. Hashtag Bernie made me white. He's black. <laughs> and of course, the people who are attacking Bernie called the guy who created the hashtag a tone deaf white liberal, ignoring that the man who created the hashtag <laughs> mocking the erasure of people of color among Bernie Sanders fans was actually black. Which, so it worked. So the I mean, hashtag yeah, you worked. It was show instead of tell, right? Like you couldn't <laughs> pay these people to respond the way that they did. So we are going to be having oh, Leslie Lee man, on our show next week. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to have a Bernie made me white special. So, yeah. All right. So now we want to bring you some news about the Bernie Sanders campaign. First of all, some interesting news is that Bernie Sanders is not on the D.C. ballot after Democratic Party registration error. Story just broke today. And apparently the D.C. Democrats did not notify the D.C. Board of Elections until a day after the registration deadline of March 16th. So basically, as of now, the Clintons are fine and their name, her name, excuse me, Freudian slip, her name is on the ballot. Bernie Sanders' name is not. So we'll keep you informed about that story. That's just an interesting coincidence. I mean, I don't like to sound like a conspiracy theorist or a total loon, but, you know, it just gets harder and harder not to because of the way that things actually are in real life. So we are going to, and by the way, breaking news, I just got confirmation that Leslie will be joining us next week. So we are definitely doing this. Nice. Bernie made me white special. Now, Gabe is here. Gabe, welcome. He's just come here. Sorry. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Hi, I'm here. That was seamless. No, I'm serious. That was a seamless intro. Hi, Gabe. How are you? Oh, I feel pretty good. Gabe, it's kind of unfortunate. Of course, this is Gabe Pacheco, very talented comedian. Hi, uh, everybody. I'm Gabe Pacheco, the talented comedian. You've probably heard me on the show before if you are a regular listener. And if you're not, you're still welcome because there's a first time for everything. Hey, welcome to all my uh, Katie Hopper. Before. <laughs> all the Katie Hopper virgins out there. Yes. <laughs> You are welcome. We, even newborn, uh, born again virgins. You can leave the show, stop watching, and then come back, and you're born again virgin. Have a secondary virgin. That's what they call them. When Maybe you, yeah. When you have the uh, when you've had sex, then you stop reconstructive surgery. Right. Reconstructive on your, on on your, your private parts. On your private. On yeah. On your PPs. Um. We also. Yeah. You can say that. So you just missed the news that. Uh, oh my God! You're from D.C. Were you responsible for this, Gabe? Because apparently Bernie Sanders. I'm not making this up. He's not on the D.C. ballot after Democratic Party registration errors. And I'm reading this from uh, First Read. 
uh, how, NBC. How can these errors not be rectified immediately? I mean, we live in a computer age, a technological age. I, I know. I don't know why we can't all just tweet our votes in. Uh, yeah, we should tweet the vote. One man, one vote, one, one woman, tweet. one, one tweet. person, one tweet. Just seriously, uh, what what is this? What the what is the DC voter filed a challenge against the Sanders campaign's registration? What? I don't even understand. This is a nightmare. A nightmare uh, of democracy. But I don't know if you heard about this, but after Bernie won those states, then he wanted to have a debate in New York. And the Clinton campaign was very upset about that. And when I say very upset about that, I mean, we have audio tape of Joel Benenson. He's a chief strategist for Hillary from Queens. I want you to know he's from Queens. And when he was asked on CNN on Monday if Hillary would do a debate that Bernie Sanders has been asking for, this is how he responded. Are we ready? Let's talk about New York. Bernie Sanders wants a debate here before the April primary. You going to agree to it? What was notable this weekend uh, wasn't so much that, but in my mind was the Washington Post story with his own campaign talking about how they're poll testing more negative attacks on Hillary Clinton. They're talking about running harsher negatives now. Don't distract here. I think the real question gonna, is not whether we're going to debate. debate? Why, why we, debate. Because I think the real question is what kind of campaign is Senator Sanders going to run going forward? This is a man who said he'd never run a negative ad ever. He's now running them. They're now planning to run more. Let's see the tone of the campaign he wants to run uh, before we get to any other questions. You guys, back in January, when there was this whole back and forth about debates, the Clinton campaign was open to more debates after that Flint debate was agreed to. Why not debate in New York? Because we agreed to debates up to a certain point. We're now out campaigning in these states. What's the risk? There's no risk. She's done very well in the debates. But Senator Sanders doesn't get to decide when we debate, particularly when he's running a very negative campaign against us. Let's see if he goes back to the kind of tone he said he was going to set early on. If he does that, then we'll talk about debates. But we're not going to talk about it. So no chance of a New York debate? I didn't say that. I said we're not going to talk about it. We're going to see what kind of tone he sets. If his campaign wants to run the kind of negative campaign and run negative ads like they did, that's going to be disappointing to a lot of Democrats who feel we have to start focusing on Republicans, whether it's Donald Trump or Ted Cruz, and about our differences so we win in November. That's what Democrats ought to be doing. That's what she's doing. So we just heard that, right? I just want everyone to be aware. What do we just hear Joel Benenson say? That's a call to what? Get in line, party unity, right? Let's have a little flashback to 2008. Hillary Clinton is running against Barack Obama when she started losing. Uh-huh. People want Hillary Clinton to do what Joel Benenson, her chief strategist, is asking of Bernie Sanders. They said, let Barry Hussein Obama run, run without distraction. Enough of you. My man, Barack. Your man, Barack. Joel Benenson, who's our chief strategist, is just saying, let's all get along. Let's focus on the Republicans, our common enemy. Totally reasonable, right? Let's have a little flashback to 2008 Hillary. I just believe that this is the most important job in the world. It's the toughest job in the world. You should be willing to campaign for every vote. You should be willing to debate anytime, anywhere. I think it's an, it's an interesting juxtaposition uh, where we find ourselves. And, uh, you know, I have been willing to do all of that during the entire process. And people have been trying to push me out of this ever since Iowa. Less than 200 delegates separate us out of 4,400. No one has the nomination. You know, between my opponent and his camp and some in the media, there has been this urgency to end this. So I, I find it a bit of a mystery. You don't buy the party unity argument. Did everyone hear that? You don't buy the party unity argument? Okay, that's what she was just asked? I don't, or because again, I've been around long enough uh, you know, my husband did not wrap up the nomination 
1992 until he won the California primary somewhere in the middle of June. June. Let's just listen to the contrast between what Joel Benenson is saying and what Hillary is saying. Ready? We have to start focusing on Republicans, whether it's Donald Trump or Ted Cruz, and about our differences so we win in November. That's what Democrats ought to be doing. That's what she's doing. You don't buy the party unity argument. I don't, because again, I've been around long enough. You don't buy the party unity argument. I don't. You don't buy the party unity argument. I don't. I don't. I don't. We all remember Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June in California. You guys understand what just happened? Do you remember this happened in 2008? She basically was like, look, my husband didn't win the nomination when he was running for president until June. That is also the month, coincidentally, that Bobby Kennedy was shot. And we have Barack Obama running and he's black and the Secret Service is on high alert. And I'm just saying, so keep your uh, I'm eyes not peeled. saying yeah. that it could happen. Yeah, she was but... saying it could happen. She wasn't, I mean, she wasn't like calling for it, but right. she was very I'm much fear mongering, right? I mean, she had to apologize for this. Yeah. Do you remember this? I know. I don't. I don't remember this at all. I just thought that that was like the way her brain was working to make an association between she's like, I like this month. Also, this is the month that Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Beware the Ides of June. Yeah. I had no idea what that was in context to. Thank you. Yeah. That was a big deal. People got really upset about it. Now, they have agreed to the debate. Do you know this breaking news? As of last night, they agreed that they will debate Bernie in New York City. Really? Joel Benenson, her chief strategist, who also said that Bernie's going to campaign like a Brooklynite and she's going to campaign like a senator. Like a Brooklyn brawler. What? Who says that as if it's an insult? And then he says, oh, I'm, 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 of course, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm from Queens. No, you're not kidding. You were dissing him because we all know about the Queens Brooklyn beef. I know that more than anyone else. I'm the product of a mixed marriage, Bronxian, Queensian. I know <laughs> about interborough strife. So, Mr. Berenson, you owe us an apology. Good day, sir. He's not here, but that's what I'm saying to him now. What's interesting is that, as we just played, the reason that Joel Benenson said he's not going to debate him is because maybe if he, he changes his tone. Maybe if he changes his tone, if he wants to debate Secretary Clinton, he can change his tone. And I want to take a stroll down memory lane and listen to the tone that the Clintons were using when they ran against Obama. So this is 2008 after Obama won a primary. And Bill Clinton compares Obama winning South Carolina to Jesse Jackson winning South Carolina. Oh, and by the way, it's fair game, in my opinion, talking about Bill Clinton because he stumps for her. She stumped for him. And she invokes him during debates. Jesse Jackson won South Carolina twice in 84 and 88. And he ran a good campaign, and Senator Obama's running a good campaign. Okay, that was Bill Clinton saying, yeah, Obama won. Guess who else won? Jesse Jackson. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the free association. You got RFK coming from Hillary. You got Jesse Jackson coming from Clinton. All right. Now, this is Clinton on the radio afterwards being asked about his Jesse Jackson comments, which offended people, and whether they made certain black leaders back Obama instead of Clinton. Philadelphia's black political leaders came out early in support of Senator Clinton, but several have switched. And... One was quoted as saying the turning point for her was during the South Carolina primary when you referenced Jesse Jackson and what she interpreted as marginalizing Obama as the the black candidate. I mean, do you think that was a mistake, and would you do that again? No, I think that they played the race card on me. And we now know Uh, uh, from memos from the campaign and everything that they plan to do it all along. Just a little reminder, Bill Clinton, because tone is so important to the Clintons and Mr. Benenson as a surrogate ambassador for Hillary Clinton, reminding people, you know, before they agreed to the debate, the Clintons were saying that if Bernie Sanders wants to debate Clinton, then he better change his tone. So that was a little flashback. Let's hear what Bill Clinton said when he was asked by a reporter about referring to the race card. Let's hear what he says. You said that the campaign was playing the race card on you. When did I say that? And to whom did I say it? On WHYY Radio yesterday. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. <laughs> you always follow me around and play these little games. And I'm not going to play your games today. This is the day about Election Day. Go back and see what the question was and what my answer was. 
you have mischaracterized it to get another cheap story to divert the American people from the real urgent issues before us. So, should we do that? Should we just go back and see his question? One was quoted as saying the turning point for her was during the South Carolina primary when you referenced Jesse Jackson and what she interpreted as marginalizing Obama as the black candidate. Do you think that was a mistake and would you do that again? I think that they played the race card on me. And we now know from memos from the campaign and everything that they plan to do it all along. That's what happens. When he's asked if he mentioned the race card, he says, no, I never said that. One final clip to explore the Clintonian tone. This is him talking in West Virginia in 2008. Ready? She won anyway because of people like you in places like this. So don't let anybody tell you she can't win. Now, this is David Schuster on MSNBC. He's asking Pat Buchanan. You guys know Pat Buchanan? Real anti-racist advocate, real civil rights champ, right? Asking Pat Buchanan what Bill Clinton meant when he said because of people like you and he's talking in West Virginia. And let's listen to what Pat Buchanan says. People like you to an audience in West Virginia and he's referring to Indiana. He's talking about working class. He's talking about, frankly, he's talking about the white working class, the silent majority, the middle Americans, the core of the Democratic Party, the working people. Now, that's a theory from Pat Buchanan, but we don't know that. Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton is talking about white people. We have no right to think that except for this. Senator Obama's support among working, hardworking Americans, white Americans, is weakening again. And that was our little stroll down memory lane with the Clintons, exploring the Clintonian tone that they called on Bernie Sanders to adopt. So Bernie Sanders, you better start changing your tone. I want a lot more dog whistle language. I want a lot more shots fired on a stealth level. Passive aggressive insults, a little fear mongering. Just any uncomfortable assassination. Yeah. uh, You got to give the Clintons credit because they have mastered the art of Jedi. Yeah, they have. And we're going to give them the Katie Halper Jedi Award. Speaking of Jedi, we are so happy to be joined by our guest. Bob Shear, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Bob. How are you? Not bad. What's up? What's up? Don't sound so excited. <laughs> You're distracting all of us. Bob, I was listening to the show. It's doing fine without me. Oh, no. Well, it's about to go to 100, right? And Bob Shear has been in journalism for... Ever? Is that technically the right Not, not quite a century yet. I'm having my 80th birthday. Oh, my gosh. When is it? You want to fly <laughs> us out from the Katie Halper Show? Yeah, oh, I used to listen pleasure. to WBAI. It's good to know you're still around. Oh, yeah. we're still here. 56 years and counting. Bob and I actually met on the Nation Cruise. It was great fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bob was speaking. I was standing up and doing some stand-up. Bob, you've written a lot about the Clintons, but what was it like when you asked Jimmy Carter about about the pureness in his heart? Did you expect him to open up about that? It does relate to the Clintons. Oh, okay. You know, there's an old saying, never hustle a hustler. Mm. And so, you know, I, I approached the, uh, uh, the Carter people about doing an interview for Playboy magazine. And why in the world would they do an interview with Playboy? Well, because it was the Democratic primary and, uh, you know, this guy was running the first time, a long time, anybody from any party had run with religion on their sleeve. Oh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, that was not the norm. And uh, Carter was, you know, very clear that he was a born-again Christian and kept talking about his church and planes and all that. And it was scaring a lot of folks. And so they thought an interview in Playboy would be a good way to challenge that uptight image. When I asked him about that stuff, I thought his answer was very good. You know, this gave a a frank uh, view of Christianity that was open to speculation and thought, and, you know, an individual had to get right with God, and 
He wasn't going to lecture everybody else. And the reason he talked about lust in his heart was to show that, you know, hey, I'm like everybody else. I got these contradictions. I have to struggle with them. I thought it was a very good answer. Where I thought he was going to get in trouble, and he would have, except sex always dominates everything else, uh, was when I asked him, would you get us in another Vietnam? Because after all, the Democrats have been very effective at getting us into unneeded wars. And he was being a bit hawkish, you know. And so I said, you know, uh, what kind of Democrat would you be? And he said, I would never get us into a Vietnam because I would never lie the way Lyndon Johnson did. Mm. Well, Lady Bird Johnson was waiting at the Dallas airport. I was on the plane with, with Carter. And when the interview came out, and uh, it was very embarrassing to him. He had to apologize. And I thought that was the thing that was going to make news. Unfortunately, the media went for the purient interest. Right. And, and that was it. You know, the question of lying is into war is very germane to the current election. You know, Hillary Clinton is a, a hawk of the old Scoop Jackson side. It's interesting. She gets Madeleine Albright to tear apart young women who might like Bernie Sanders and said, there's a special place right. in hell for women like that. Well, Madeleine Albright was a hawk of hawks with Scoop Jackson in the old days and Richard Pearl. Oh, and, uh, love you know, the she's an incredible, uh, you know, warmonger. Uh, you know, there's a special place in hell for people get us into unneeded right. wars. Is there a special place in hell for people who justify sanctions that kill how many, ki- yeah. how many kids well, in Iraq when she said it was worth it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think... Uh, those issues I was raising with, with Jimmy Carter, and I raised with Bill Clinton when I interviewed him as well, uh, are, are important. And with Bill Clinton, and it goes to Hillary, because I met her at that time. He was still governor, and I interviewed him for the Los Angeles Times. And they were going around the country talking about welfare reform, ending welfare as we know it. That was his you know, way of uh, picking off Republican votes, mm. thought. And, you know, that was goes to the whole racism because everybody assumed people right. on welfare were black. They weren't. A majority were white, of course. But, but uh, you know, that was the code language. And when I, I went down there to Arkansas to interview him for the LA Times, and he kept something called Project Success and the great welfare reform they'd done. It was a phony. Never happened. You know, and uh, then he sold it to the country, and then he comes in as president does his welfare reform, and that ended the, you know, most effective federal poverty program we had. Seventy percent of the people on welfare were children. That was all turned over to the tender mercies of the states, and it's been an absolute disaster. And, you know, here's Hillary Clinton campaigning. She started out with the Children's Defense Fund and Madeleine, you know, uh, Wright Edelman and all that. Well, Peter Edelman, her husband, uh, was in the Clinton administration. He resigned over welfare reform. Right. Said it was a disaster, and he's written a whole book about it. So the woman has no shame. That's the problem right. with Clinton. She just doesn't. She'll say anything. I'm absolutely flabbergasted and amazed by this because I'm. I know Facebook is not, you know, a, a national census poll, but I'm amazed by the fact that when I say anything about Hillary Clinton, and I very carefully frame it in within the context of acknowledging that there are sex, there's sexism and there are double standards. There's no doubt about it. But also, it's sexist to totally infantilize Hillary as a victim of nothing more than circumstances and sexism and double standards. She's an, a person with agency. She's incredibly smart, and she's a, su- a successful politician. 
if I say anything about her, having already kind of conceded as a feminist that there is sexism in the world and she is on the receiving end of that, if I say anything, I'm perpetuating the Lady Macbeth narrative. It's because of the tone you use. It, you're right. You're right. It's the tone. Let me ask you a question. You know, Hillary started out as a Goldwater girl, right? right? And so what if she stayed as a, that kind of conservative? And by the way, Barry Goldwater looks pretty good. Yeah, I know. Her and crop. But nonetheless, let's say she was a, you know, one of these free market Goldwater right. That's what she basically is. That's why she's Yeah, so she's a Democrat, to, a centrist Democrat. Yeah, Same yeah thing. that's why she's so close to Wall Street and all the deregulation that they did on their husband and all that. But what has she been? Would people be saying don't attack her because she's a woman? I mean, right. well, are we not supposed to attack Margaret Thatcher? That's exactly what I say, Bob. Yeah. Great minds. Well, great it's minds all garbage. Like, it's all right. garbage. And, but the fact is, she's not as good as, as Bill. That's, Bill. She's not Bill as good rem- a liar. Yeah. Bill, right? Bill remembered where he came from, at least to some right. degree. And that's why he remains popular, because there is an authenticity. I'm not going to defend him. He, he was did terrible things as president. Right. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, at least, you know, he co- he comes from somewhere and talks right. about, you know, that, that. And she doesn't. You know, she's, uh, uh, you know, uh, not in touch. Even, I mean, God, why was she in trouble in Illinois? Why was that even close? Right. You know, that's supposed to be her home base. Right. Corn-fed you know, white state. Yeah. yeah. And, well, uh, I actually and don't we, think it's... You know, we talked about this. We had a feminist debate a couple weeks ago uh, on at our live show that we do every month. We're doing the next one next Wednesday, April 6th. And we talked about this in her origins. I actually don't hold it against her that she started out uh, for Goldwater. I kind of give credit to people who, unlike you and me, Bob, come from non-left families and come to it on our own on their own. But I do think that there's a really important difference between her and Clinton in terms of Basically, I think he he has set her up because he's a very gifted speaker and he's so much better at at smearing and making kind of coded statements in a way where you don't realize it as much. So when I don't know if you remember, she said that uh, during one of the debates, Hillary bragged that Henry Kissinger had said that she was one of the best secretaries of state that he remembered. Now, Bill Clinton also said that. But Bill Clinton said Henry Kissinger said Henry Kissinger, of all people, said she was one of the best secretary of state she'd ever seen. Now, just that difference of Bill Clinton adding in the of all people, right, is yeah. so indicative, I think, of the way he masters language and connotation and meaning and subtlety. And Hillary just didn't use that that like turn of phrase. And she was totally off and, and tone deaf because she was basically saying, oh, here's my reference. His name is Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Whereas Bill well, Clinton- you know, this is all theater criticism. And the fact that it is the play itself sucks, you know, right. uh, the whole idea of it. And that's the Clinton- triangulation right can you tell and, and, listeners what that is in case they well don't? i mean it's a very cynical strategy uh that was in response in the democratic party to george mcgovern you know who came dangerously close to you know <laughs> shaping the party and and as opposed to goldwater the republic you know both goldwater and, and mcgovern lost by about the same proportion mm. okay but goldwater's defeat was taken by the republicans as a challenge to make the party more like him, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he hasn't been disowned and, you know, go water Republicanism is a respectable thing. McGovern, uh, was presented as responsible for all the disarray in American life and everything. And that poor guy, you know, he was as American as apple pie, right? The right. minister, son of ministers, war hero, distinguished flying course. And it was on a nation cruise, by the way, I was on there once with, with McGovern. And I said to him, you know, I said, here you let Nixon 
attacked you as some kind of hippie, you know, a peacenik. And I said, you know, uh, here was Nixon was a parade guide, uh, a guard in the war. You know, he never saw combat. I said, you won the Distinguished Flying Cross. You were, went, you know, did what, 50 missions over Germany. Uh, why didn't you ever talk about your war record? And I'll never forget it. Well, he's one of those cold nights gone to Newfoundland on, on oh, a cruise ship. Wow. And he, he looked at me and he said, it would have been unseemly. Right. You know, now that is a great American character. You know, George McGovern. He's right. just one of the greatest. Well, the Democratic Party's been running away from George McGovern since that time. They didn't want him in the first place. It was a popular, you know, upsurge in the party, much as you see him now with Bernie Sanders. that put McGovern in there, and, and they've been running away from him. And the Clintons represent the anti-McGovern, you know. And this triangulation is reach out to, to racists, reach out to Wall Street, reach out to so-called normal America. That's why, you know, the uh, Defensive Marriage Act, the whole garbage. Right. Which and Bill it's used for cynicism. And, and the financial deregulation, which my great American stick-up book is all about, you know, he hands the pen to the guy, for, you know, uh, who, who's going to benefit from, from, from the new Citigroup uh, bank, you know, uh, Sandy Weil. And, and, you know, please his punch. And, they, you know, the whole thing was done at the, you know, under the guidance of Robert Rubin, who came over right. Goldman Sachs, ends up running Citigroup and getting $10, 15000000 million a year. Uh, he's the guy who puts through the reversal of Glass-Steagall. And then they passed the Commodity Futures Modernization Act with Bill Clinton as a lame duck president signs. And that's the thing that... that Deregulated, so there'll be no existing regulatory agency or law will apply to these new banking devices to collateralize debt obligations and credit default swaps. Now, uh, what do you, you think know? of the claim, speaking of all these these things that the Clintons have done? Lately, I feel like people, when I say something about honesty in the Clintons, their response is, well, Bernie Sanders is dishonest because he's suggesting or he's implying that she's a puppet of Wall Street. He's implying that she has no integrity. So every politician lies, and what she's doing is no different. What would your response to that be? Oh, come on. My, my response is Bernie Sanders is far too kind in his treatment of Hillary. I mean, I respect the guy enormously. I think he's run a hell of a campaign. He's tapping into, you know, a great deal of resentment that people feel about what, what's happening with the economy, and he's doing it in a progressive way as opposed to Trump, who's, you know, doing it in a neo-fascist way. Uh, but the unhappiness is real and it's widespread. The, the system is not working for most people. Okay. Uh, and I think, however, if you can criticize Bernie Sanders, it's that he's too much the, the, the gentle soul. I mean, that, that one line in the campaign that really disappointed me when he gave her a pass on her email. Right. You know, here you Enough have about the damn to, emails. Yeah, you go, here you got people going to jail doing much less than Hillary Clinton did. I mean, you know, go, or, or charges brought against him, you know, the, the uh, or, you know, dragging Bill Binney out of the shower after his 30 years working at the NSA, or Thomas Drake, or, you know, uh, John Kiriakou, who serves uh, two and a half years in prison for, for, what, telling a New York Times reporter that this guy worked for the CIA who wasn't even undercover. You know, and here's this woman takes the, you know, high secrets of government, has, has the right to do it on her BlackBerry. If that had been done by any whistleblower, they'd be throw him in jail and throw away the key. Right. You know, uh, uh, and I think Bernie Sanders made a big mistake on that. So if I had any criticism 
he's being a bit soft on her, and he's going. I'm afraid he's going to pick up her hand at you know the Democratic convention and say, okay, now let's move on to victory because I don't think you know Hillary Clinton is a progressive in any sense of the word. She's just not, uh, and and she and her husband this triangulation represented you know this uh, not just neoconservative uh, foreign policy but represented really a shameful betrayer of the whole FDR tradition of the party. Right. And that's why people like Robert Reich are, are, are critical of her. You know, he's their schoolmate from Yale. He was their buddy. He was in the Clinton administration. An economist, uh, right? Yeah. So people always yeah. like to say that, that Bernie Sanders, pie in the sky, utopian. His ideas are good, but they're never going to work. And then you have Robert Reich. Well, you know, the shame for that line, by the way, goes to the New York Times as much as anyone. Mm. And even Paul Krugman, who I've yeah, what's different points yeah. admired him. But, you know, Paul, but, but really, the New York Times editorially supported the reversal of Glass-Steagall, and not just on the editorial page, but in the, in the news coverage. I go into that a lot in my book. Uh, they cheered it on, modernization, and they, they supported the Commodity Futures Modernization Act as well. They were with him on, on a, a lot of this stuff. And, and uh, then to turn around and say, you know, the Clinton, uh, uh, the Clintons understand economics. When they made the alliance with Phil Graham, they made the alliance with the Republicans in the Senate that that gutted the whole New Deal, of, you know, controls. And then to say Bernie Sanders has been a consistent voice in controlling greed. You know, he is the inheritor of FDR. Right. This is the guy. It's it's passed down. You know, and and uh, you know, I think the attacks on him that trivialization, whether it's from Chris Matthews, who I was just watching on, on the, you know, uh, MSNBC. Uh, MSNBC. I mean, I, I was looking for who owns it, right? I mean, I forget the name. Who owns MSNBC? Comcast. Yeah. Used to be G, now Comcast, so that's the great left-wing. Right. Center. The but, vast left-wing you know, conspiracy running the media. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, but, but you're looking. And Krugman, I mean, I remember Krugman once wrote a column I criticized in my book for it. You know, saying, oh, no, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, all they did was accept conforming loans. And so that's garbage. Right. These guys that were running it, you know, hacks, Democratic hacks, uh, Johnson from the Mondale uh, campaign and Franklin Delano Reigns, named after FDR. Uh, these guys were getting $20 million a year. The book stock was being traded on Wall Street, and they were inflating the stock by taking all these liars' loans in and backing them up. They were in cahoots with the other banks. They were just another bank. They had nothing to do with progressive housing. And they sold a bill of goods to, to the minority groups that now I cannot understand it. If you look at any of the statistics, the Federal Reserve study done by St. Louis Federal Reserve says that, that, that black people in America have lost, you know, seven college graduates. Black college grads have lost 70% of their wealth, not their yearly income, their whole accumulated wealth. Uh, Latinos, the same uh, percentage. The college graduates, the hardest hit groups by the housing bubble engineered by the Clintons were minority groups. They were the, the, the target audience, you know, and, and they couldn't bail themselves out. When, when the hit came, they couldn't ride it out. They lost their houses and so forth. The statistics, the Pew Research Census statistics shows that the economic gains of the civil rights movement were reversed uh, by this housing bubble, which the Clinton administration facilitated. They enabled it. Right. The, the Washington Post and the Washington Post has gotten terrible publicity because they have written so many hit pieces against Bernie Sanders, like 16 within 24 hours or something. But 
it's so undeniable that even the Washington Post wrote uh, uh, something about the five times that Hillary misrepresented the truth during just one debate, right? She said that he was like in bed with the Koch brothers. If I can interrupt you, the yep. biggest lie is when she said that Bernie Sanders voted for the deregulation of Wall Street. Yes. She was referring to the thing I brought up before, you know, and uh, it was uh, Bill Clinton after the 2000 election. He's now a lame duck president. And he signed off on the Commodity Futures Modernization Act. Section 3 of that act says that none of the collateralized debt obligations or credit default swaps, all that junk that, that costs trillions of dollars to ordinary people around the world, none of it would be regulated by any existing regulatory agency or any existing law. So it gives a blank check to all that. She blames that on Bernie Sanders. Why did Bernie Sanders vote for it? Because everybody in the bloody house voted for it or the government would have been shot down. Ron Paul didn't, by the way. There were four <laughs> votes against it, okay? Yeah. Bernie Sanders voted because it was an omnibus bill. He was against the specific language, but they were all intimidated. you got to vote for this or, or everything, you know, no one, the veterans won't get their benefits and people won't get their checks and so forth. She knew that and she knew it was her husband's bill. Right. Yeah, with with a straight face. She just uh, blames it on him. What about the you know? auto bailout when she said he voted against giving the money that wound up in the auto industry? Remember that yeah, one? The same deal. And and the thing is that she knows she's lying. She, she's a bright woman. Right. And, and she knows that her advisors, my goodness, you know, the, 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 the people who wrote that, that deregulation legislation are her key advisors. Right. The, you know, working for, for her. Look at Podesta, her you know, what was Podesta originally? He was a lobbyist with his brother. He's now the head of her campaign. And they favored all of this stuff. You know, it, it's, it's astounding, uh, the and distortion. What about her, her, the thing that she said about Nancy Reagan and the thing she said about Bernie Sanders, where was my opponent when I was fighting for health care? Were those gaffes? I don't understand them. The Nancy Reagan thing being, you know, Nancy and, and Ronald opening the, starting the conversation on AIDS. What was that? Well, okay, maybe I gave it too much credit. That was an act of extreme stupidity and ignorance. Right? I mean, was it, though? Was she just tired? I, I honestly don't understand. No, how. I think that that's just not one of the issues that she's dialed up lately, mm. you know? Uh, it wasn't one of her talking points. Right, and but so did they prep she's just she not, she's not someone who, who really you know? cared actively during the AIDS crisis. She's not someone who, you know, took that issue on mm. And and so the the shameful behavior uh, of Ronald Reagan is something that just I don't think was on her you know, her screen you right. know and um, I, I, I think uh, it, it shows that the, she's qu uh, quite late to the issue. Right, and and I uh, I imagine Bill Clinton like watching her give that interview at at Nancy Reagan's funeral and being like Alzheimer's and breast cancer. I told you Alzheimer's and breast cancer. That's what you talk about. You don't talk about AIDS. She didn't do anything good for AIDS. They were terrible on AIDS. Yeah. But well, you know, I think the thing is that Nancy Reagan was not a bad person. Don't get me wrong. I actually had some conversations with her, and I think she was the better side of the sure. Reagan team. Uh, and I her do think if she was, if she was going to be honest about it. It was Nancy Reagan who, after you know, some of her friends in Hollywood uh, were stricken by right. AIDS. Uh, she had a, a more human, if that's what she wanted to talk about, she sure. could have talked about that a little bit. She didn't have she as did, much blood on her hands as Ronald Reagan because he spoke about it for the first time five years after his diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, and I do think she was one of those tugging on his sleeve. Right, sure. You know, his saying, hey, covered. some of my best genocide. friends are, are exactly. dying here. 
Right. You know. Well, Bob, thank you so much. Come back uh, next time you're in New York. Come into the studio. We'll have a live show. Where, uh, people can find you on Twitter at Robert underscore Shear. Correct. I don't know. But yeah. Who knows? Whatever. Me at, uh, uh, truth dig. Truth dig. Uh, yeah, truth dig very easily. I'm there all the time, along with Chris Hedges and a lot of other good people. Oh yeah. So and guys, we're going to see you next week, and we will see you at our radio show and our live show at 8 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons, 388 Atlantic Avenue. Will be live streamed too. Thank you so much again, Bob Shear, and uh, we will see you next week. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, all over the world. Uh, it's the Katie Halper Show. See you next week. Bye.